Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the sorting hat of tricks of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who always knew that Fox was the best. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? Uh, in full agreement, that, uh, recognizing that Fox was the best, thoroughly surprised that the sorting hat would be the ultimate hero of the story. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Full of twists and turns. Yes, quite. <laughs> Um, so we have some segments uh, that we do here. We have a rapid-fire recap. Um, we have BJ's Wizard Wheezes, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know if this is when he's going to complain about the fact that the Sorting Hat does things we've never been cued into the Sorting Hat being able to do, or if he will save that for questions, um, but I have a feeling it's coming. Then we have Newbie's Notes from Spencer. We award house points, and then there are um, questions, and there are frequently a lot of them as we wrap up these books. <laughs> Hey, it's not our fault that 90% of the plot is crammed in the last two chapters. The questions pile. Indeed. So anything we need to cover before we get going? No, I think we're set. Uh, Do you have an estimate in mind for how long this chapter will take? I would like to request an extra 30 seconds for this chapter. (laughs) Let me take it to the judges. They've approved 25 seconds. Okay, I I think I can make that work. Okay. The giant novelty stopwatch is ready to go. I've received the nod from the judges at your leisure. So Harry goes into the chamber, trying not to look at a basilisk, and finds a giant statue of a face in the lifeless body of Jenny. He's trying to wake her up when there's another voice coming from the ghostly figure of Tom Riddle, who's not a ghost, but a memory. Jenny's still barely alive, so Harry tries to get Riddle to help him move her, tells him about the basilisk, but Riddle says it won't come until it's called. Riddle also has gotten hold of Harry's wand and won't give it back. Riddle is ready to chat. Jenny found his diary and started writing all her secrets to him, unwittingly making him strong enough to feed a bit of his soul back into her. He made her open the chamber of secrets, kill the roosters, write the messages on the wall, but Jenny got scared and threw the book away in Myrtle's bathroom where Harry found it, which was exactly what Riddle wanted. He thought he had gained Harry's trust, showing him the betrayal of Hagrid. Of course, Riddle opened the chamber the first time. Jenny stole back the diary and Riddle made her kidnap herself as bait. Riddle wants to know how Harry managed to defeat Voldemort, because of course Riddle is the teenage version of Voldemort, a name he started using at school. As he rattles on about how great he is, Harry finally cracks and tells him that actually Albus Dumbledore is the greatest wizard and Voldemort has always been frightened of him. At that, Fox the Phoenix comes sweeping in with the sorting hat. Harry and Riddle are both sort of unimpressed with these weapons. Harry tries to keep Riddle talking, tells him his mother was the one who saved him, and Riddle calls the basilisk from inside the statue of Slytherin and sets him on Harry. Uh, With his eyes closed, Harry can't really tell what's going on, but when he squints, it turns out that Fox has ripped out the basilisk's eyes. Harry still doesn't really have a have a chance, but manages to get hold of the sorting hat and puts it on. No voice this time, but a huge sword falls out of the hat. Harry is trying to stab the snake, and he manages to get him um, through the roof of his mouth, but at the same time, the basilisk sinks his fang into Harry, which breaks off into his arm as the snake dies. Fox comes to comfort him as Riddle, who's gotten increasingly more solid, taunts him with his impending death. Fox starts crying over his wound, and Harry actually feels better. Fox then sweeps the diary over to Harry, who plunge it, who grabs the poisonous fang and plunges it into the book, ripping the memory of Riddle apart. Jenny wakes up and is frantic, but they run back to meet Ron, who has made a small hole in the rubble. Lockhart has lost all of his mind and doesn't even seem to know magic is a thing as Fox flies them all up the tunnels. Myrtle is disappointed they're not dead. 
you did that in two minutes and 14 seconds. An extra 15 <laughs> seconds for House Ravenclaw. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so yeah, we are we are in the in the plot of it. So I have a question for you, Sarah. What going yes. on? Um, so would you say the Chamber of Secrets smells like Teen Spirit? <laughs> I I think it's probably Teen Spirit and a little bit of sewer, uh, which are you know reasonably close anyway. <clears throat> Spencer, so, that was a uh, song reference. Yes, BJ, I was alive in the nineties. I got that reference. I, I never know. I mean, some bands you're familiar even me, with, some even some me not. got that one. Anyway, if for, if for no other reason, I got that because Weird Al did a parody of it. Okay, it and is. we see how you okay. back into things, Spencer. There's <laughs> always a route, not necessarily direct, but I'm getting there. So, um, BJ, what do you have for us this week? Uh, I have for my wizard wheezes. I have comma comments courtesy of the Corona Quarantine. Ooh. All right. Hmm. So, so I have another paragraph that is uh, two sentences. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna comment on where the commas are. Oh, t- take us to it, so we can read. Yes, it. I'm um, getting my book out. It's location not three nine eight three Spencer, um, and <laughs> for you, Sarah. Damn your camera. Um, this is when he, uh, he gets the diary. Oh, okay. Um... For. When he first gets the diary? When Fox uh, throws the diary into his lap. Uh, right before he's dead. For a split second, comma, both Harry and Riddle, comma, Juan still raised, comma, stared at it. Then, comma, without thinking, comma, without considering, comma, as though he had meant it to do it all along, comma, Harry sees the basilisk fang on the floor next to him and plunged it straight into the heart of the book, period. There's some commas. So would you like my generous reading on the proliferation <laughs> of commas here? Um, so so I, I, I do, but I also want to quickly throw in um, at some point in my life, um, and I've gotten better, but I basically would write things and then take a shotgun full of commas and shoot it at my paragraphs and be like, mm, this seems reasonable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there, there might be a little bit of that going on here. My generous reading would be that this is a, a, a frantic, frenetic moment in the plot. Um, mm-hmm. And we are possibly in the stylistic realm that is, comma, supposed to, comma, <laughs> mimic that. <laughs> Ellipses. It is a means to that end. It's not always the one I would recommend, but it does. If you're like reading it aloud, reading it aloud, you'd get the you know consistent rapid breaths that the characters are going through, kind of style. Yeah, and that's actually that's interesting. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about kind of reading this aloud and about who the intended audience is and all kinds of things like that, but I hadn't necessarily considered the possibility that J.K. Rowling knows who how this book is probably going to be consumed for a lot of people and is potentially giving some sort of clues for reading it aloud yes right these are stage instructions i mean it's Uh, not like out of the realm of possibility that's true i mean it's not like uh one of the stories we've read that really did have stage directions which was kind of impressive (laughs) that's true yeah um Mm -hmm. but i i do find that actually kind of interesting because apparently she had to well, she didn't have to, and this was maybe something vaguely generous that she did, which was relax the copyright laws so teachers yeah. could read uh, Harry Potter to their students while they were stuck home mm-hmm. um, in the quarantine. 
and it was kind of one of those things where it's like i guess you're technically broadcasting it but really and and you're recording it and distributing it and it was just like okay i guess you know yeah just because you wanted to leave the eu you're not 100 percent bad it's fine <laughs> anyway notes from the newbie spencer what do you got okay uh well this chapter kind of opens with continued proof that harry is a bit slow on the uptake because it takes him about six pages to realize that tom riddle is bad it takes a lot of effort and a lot of thinking inside his head to really piece together that the guy that is leering over him, beginning villain gloating, possibly does not intend him well. He gets there, but man does it take a long round. Yeah. As for what, who will almost inevitably be the loser of this chapter, maybe competing with another character that died, Jenny has a rough run. This is a series of reveals that suggest that she has had one hell of a semester that no one has been supporting her with. Other than Tom Riddle, and that's not the guy you want doing that. She's apparently been the one who's done everything that Tom Riddle only recently has been able to become, you know, personified in the real world. And so he's been using Jenny as a means, through means of kind of possession, to do the entirety of the evil deeds that have occurred in this book. All with her only slowly piecing the details from being covered in paint, rooster feathers, all kinds of other suggestions that lots of things are happening without her knowledge. That sucks! That is a really, really rough time that she's now going to have to come to terms with. And also the idea that she's been barring her soul to what we now know is essentially the anthropomorphized memories of Voldemort, including her affection for Harry Potter. That's also not great. That's not a person you want, you know, barring your soul to generally. So, yeah, she had a rough chapter. It's interesting, apparently... This chapter suggests that the reason that uh, Mrs. Morris was attacked was specifically because she was a squib's cat, and that there was an element of intent behind it because she was a squib's mm -hmm. cat. And that's an interesting degree of assigning blame right there, that the fact that you are a possession of someone that I mildly dislike, not really the same level as Mudbloods, but still not great, you are equally subject to scorn. Ah, lots of questions about Tom Riddle and how he exists outside the book. We'll get to those in questions. How Jenny got the book. We'll get to those in questions as well as my own theory on subject. It's interesting to see that Riddle suggests that his plans over the course of this year have changed. It seems like originally his goal was fulfilling Salazar Slytherin's noble work, which if I remember correctly was basically getting all non-purebloods kicked out of Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. Uh... If so, getting Hogwarts closed and all the students sent home is a means to bring that about. Also seems like a secondary objective was getting Dumbledore punished and getting some revenge on him for forever correctly doubting him, which, you know, he's had a certain measure of success there. But it seems like a transition fully over to Harry Potter as Tom Riddle somehow in the process of just becoming more realized in the real world has accumulated Voldemort's memories, or at least knowledge of the broader world and what has happened to him post-bookifying. That's an interesting to topic to unpack. It really bleeds into, again, that magic makes life in this world. The act of, put of making an enchanted object means that this thing exists and has a will of its own and can accumulate knowledge, memories, and have end goals that itself, it itself has put together. It's also... I think we knew this a little bit previously. I think in our flashback to Tom Riddle, we kind of heard it that uh, what Voldemort's parental background was, but this chapter really hammers home that he is of mixed parentage in a way that he probably despises. 
And his reasons for going on this kind of pure blood crusade seem to be in no small part because of how much he hates his father and hates that aspect of his background. And so to essentially banish that side of himself and throw it, throw it into the fire, he's doubling down on emphasizing his pure blood ancestry, which he's choosing to tie back to Salazar Slytherin. Whether that has any justification or not stands to be seen. Uh, it is interesting, though, to find out that the Lord Voldemort nickname is essentially a preteen's I, uh, I am handle in terms of where it came about. That's it. it is what a 12 or 13-year-old thought would be totally cool, and he apparently stuck with that for the rest of his life. I don't generally recommend that people stick with their email addresses or, you know, instant messenger account names from, the, from that point onward. It's going to hurt you in terms of job applications and other things, but apparently Lord Voldemort made it work. As you said, Sarah, Fox is the golden god hero of this entire chapter who basically saves the day entirely. Harry's there to, you know, wield thumbs in a way that Fox can't, but otherwise Fox does everything. Presumably at Dumbledore's behest, because that would be in keeping with what happened to kind of to resolve book one, and because Fox is Dumbledore's pet and would probably act on his own will, not really sure to what degree of intelligence Fox is or isn't, we'll get to that in questions, but this seems to be, again, Dumbledore engaging in his very odd and very risk-of-life-of-limb lessons to students so that they can gain life experiences. I do enjoy Voldemort's reaction to Harry revealing why he is quote-unquote special, <laughs> where Harry basically reveals what he learned from Dumbledore at the end of the last book, that uh, your mom did an enchantment powered by her own life and love, and that was able to keep you safe. And Dumbledore, upon hearing this, basically just goes, oh, well, yeah, that's a means she could have done that. Good, you're not special at all. I'm really reassured to learn this now. Because clearly he was getting really paranoid that there was something inherently magical about Harry, something inherently dangerous about him. And to find out that this was kind of a once-in-a-lifetime miracle that kept him alive is, well, a, a nice balm to what I'm sure was a very bruised ego. Now, Harry then digging in the wound that it was a muggle-born wizard that did this does not help him and kind of ensures that Voldemort from here on out because I really shouldn't call him Voldemort. He isn't Voldemort. He is a vague memory of a distant version of Voldemort. He is Tom yes. Riddle. Stick to that. Um, that sets Tom Riddle on his murder for the rest of this chapter. But luckily, again, Harry's got some help for how that plays out. Before we get there, it's nice to have Voldemort lay out what I kind of pointed out earlier, that the two of them... Again, I said Voldemort. He's not Voldemort. Tom Riddle. The two of them lay out that Harry, and I can say Voldemort here, have very much mirrored... Uh, life stories and life events. There's a lot in common between the two of them, even him emphasizing that the, the only two parcel tongues that have been to Hogwarts since seemingly Salazar Slytherin, at least that anybody's had talked about. That is seemingly highly relevant. Does this suggest a degree of shared background, or is this kind of one of those things of where the fact that, uh, well, their backgrounds are obviously shared in terms of mirrored, but in terms of the parcel tongue, parcel mouth thing, and the possible connection to Arab Slytherin, is this something that Harry has just independent of Voldemort, or is this something that he now shares because of what Voldemort attempted to do to him when he was a baby? Not clear, but clearly shows that these two are going to be joined at the hip for the rest of these books, and that's going to be fun to see. Uh, Fox tearing the eyes of the basilisk is probably the most gnarly thing we've had in this book. That is... I did not expect that. And I will say, is... yeah, I did not to interrupt uh, specifically, but I was already thinking about um, in the movies, there is a like a real visceral sound associated with this moment that is spine tingling. Is it a tear or a plop or what kind of sound? Uh, are you it going is a, grapes? It's, it's a wet tear. 
Oh, wet tears. Okay. <laughs> that that's it. I I don't know what the sound of an eye being plucked is, but yeah, wet tear works. That that shudders down my spine. It uh, I'll have questions about why Fox was able to even survive the Basilisk gaze, but we can go into that or just default that he's magical. Um I guess we'll save Sword and the Sorting Hat for questions, because that one's going to be a hell of a talk. It is interesting to have confirmed, though, that I originally thought the Tears of the Phoenix thing was, other, was going to be another thing that came out of nowhere, but upon going back through the book, no, it was very offhand referenced in Chapter 12 by Dumbledore for the various reasons that a phoenix is awesome. As was the idea that, that phoenixes can carry enormous amounts of weight, hence carrying four people up... Mm-hmm. The tunnel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of skiing them all yeah. up there at the end. Uh, so I, I have to give, I guess, rolling a bit of credit that she <laughs> foreshadowed that one a bit. It's a deep dive that, you know, you'll remember that. I certainly didn't when I was reading it here again. But, okay. I have mixed feelings on Tom Riddle as the ultimate villain of this story. Um, it, I think it'll, maybe it will help me, to help me understand it a little bit more once we get into the questions. But... The idea of just a forgotten memory of Voldemort being the ultimate driving force of this feels a little unsatisfying, unless it's something that's going to be developed further, that this is something that now they know is out there in the world, and there could be other artifacts like this that are a danger. (laughs) That could be interesting to have that play out. But as it stands right now, it just feels kind of lackluster that the ultimate villain of this is a diary. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. I'll be curious to have, Sarah, have you explain a, little, a few, couple things. Sure, you could say that is uh, the crux of some of the novels. <laughs> and it, is it is it something that's is it something that's be relevant like that? I mean, is it something like not? not oh, should I stop? Is it, is it, did he just did, he, did, did BJ just do a he thing? He did again? a thing. Okay, I'm stopping that topic. I'm burying that thought until for until okay. later notice. Uh, it is fun to see that Jenny has a very similar priority tier uh, response to these kind of situations that I do, of where, upon realizing that she's played an integral role in the assaults and other students, damage to property, the near closure of Hogwarts, <laughs> people getting thrown into Azkaban, Dumbledore being removed from office, her default concerns are, oh my god, I might get expelled, and dear lord, what will my parents say? <laughs> that is a very similar kind of rate of responses that I would engage in at that age. Distant down the list is, oh, I might go to prison for this in some way, or at least some juvie equivalent. We don't we don't know if kids can get sent to Azkaban in this world, but given the nightmare that occasionally seems to be, seems perfectly possible. And a final thought before we get into house points. This seems like a noticeable Lockhart improvement. You know, this is a Lockhart I can get behind. He's very pleasant now. He seems like a He's very pleasant. He's he's curious, he's engaging. He seems like a really good natured soul. And this gives me hope that once you strip off everything that he became over the course of his life, there is a core there that has hope. Again, massively terrifying that you can do that whole stripping off of everything that he gained in his life kind of thing. But we'll see where he goes from here. Maybe there's hope. We'll see. But in terms of who is the winner of the House Cup for this chapter... Sarah, what do you suggest? Well, uh, Spencer, you have very helpfully previewed both of my choices here. Um, I would certainly say that uh, all of Jenny's hens have come home to roost in her killing of the roosters. Um, and this is... I, I realize that we, we named her just because of the fact that she had been taken. We named her loser last week. Uh, but this is a whole different world of what is going on with her. Um and despite the fact that she spent most of the chapter unconscious, 
um, the just impending dread that you mentioned, Spencer. Like this is this is out of bounds, clear loser, a uh, clear loser of the chapter. Um, I mean, I suppose we could say that Tom Riddle is the loser, but it's unclear like what is going on with a memory in this whole house point system. So I'm going to leave that to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, Fox, absolute winner. I don't think there's any point of debate there. Uh, Harry would have been very dead in any number of ways if Fox hadn't come in to save the day in several different yes. manners. Yes, uh, many, but not all of them giant snake related. <laughs> in terms of other possible blowback that it may happen in later chapters, um, I expect that in at least Molly Weasley's view, uh, Jenny's not the one that's going to get the blame here. It's going to be the Weasley twins for not providing better emotional support for her from the entire seasons to even know that this was happening. Or Percy. Or, or Percy. Percy. Good, yeah. or, or even Ron, num- quite honestly. Yeah. Because, like, I'm not sure that anyone is expecting um, Fred and George to provide, like, real emotional support. <laughs> yes, but there's there's a lot of Weasley brothers that she has on hand that apparently didn't bother to check in enough to know that she was, you know, sleepwalking, having night terrors, murdering roosters. This is a list of things that you think an off-conversation might have allowed to bring No, and in fact, Percy stopped her talking about this. We had the conversation about what (laughs) he thought she was talking about um, when Mm -hmm. she came over to say that she had seen something or knew something or or whatever, um, or had something to talk about. Anyway, we talked about that last episode. Well, I think it's like... We get more information on it in the next chapter, but I think it's not a spoiler to say she was coming over to try to confess to all of this, and Percy shut her down. Yeah. Yeah, we saw before that the mere threat of telling Mama Weasley that you've not been supporting Jenny or not been nice to Jenny is enough to just silence all of them instantly. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine what hell to pay is coming down the pipeline for these guys that this has been happening to her all year. It's not great. Not so well, much. Uh, there are questions. Shall we go into questions? Let's then? do it. Uh, BJ, should we both just ask the initial question about how the hell how the hell there was a sword in the hat? Well, I wanted to lead in with a, a bad pun, but um... please, <laughs> please, puns first. Puns always first. Well, I kind of want you to comment on this newfangled way of banishing a ghost by stabbing it in the book with a fang. Pretty much, like how how is that getting? You know, is that just like getting rid of the magical object that it was imbued, and mm-hmm. like the soul that was separate from it was kind of tied to it somehow? Anyway, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think this is this is kind of the key question, right? And mm-hmm. the 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 fact is that this is like a. <sighs> This is so it's I'm struggling with this because like this is actually what a lot of especially the later books um yeah end it's up kind of a spoiler sort of struggling with right so I'm not wi- I'm not willing to do the spoiler yeah. to get to the crux of the matter uh mm-hmm. BJ but um I think that what I can say about that that is maybe not illuminating but is at least a sort of delineation is um that it is it is significant that there were there was like a paragraph at this be- at the beginning of this chapter spent on the fact that Tom Riddle is not a ghost, he's a memory. Yeah. And like um, a piece of a yeah. soul kind of thing. Yeah, we get a lot of language about sort of where his where his soul is at any given point in time and like what it's allowed to do mm-hmm. and what it's doing um, and what it requires of of Jenny and other people and things like that and then what you know presumably where the trajectory of that soul was going 
um, before Harry destroyed the book. So, yeah. It's not a ghost that was it, killed, I guess, is the answer yeah. to the question. If he were a ghost, mm-hmm. though, it is, a, it is in classical keeping with ghost lore that they're, uh, essentially their spirit is tied to a particular object from their past. Sure. And in some way, Area or something it, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. it, it does. And in some way, destroying or you know performing an exorcism or whatever else on that particular object mm-hmm. can be a part of banishing the ghost. Mm-hmm. So similar here, but as you yeah. said, they take pains to say that, no, this is a conjured memory. This is not a ghost. And so it does, it remains ambiguous as to kind of what we're actually dealing with. It does have some uh, kind of resonances with ghostliness, um, but there's clearly something else going on here. But that is, it remains unclear at this moment. Yeah. I'm sure from Ginny's perspective, she would essentially say that she's been haunted all year, even possessed all year. Yeah. But don't worry, totally wasn't a no. ghost. No. Um, so, so I guess we'll come together. And my my half of the question is, <laughs> whose hat is it? It's Gryffindor's hat. It is Godric Gryffindor's hat. That's yeah. So, so is this is the sword in some way an artifact of Gryffindor? Yeah, and this is a spoiler, but we learn it in the next chapter. Um, it is Godric Gryffindor's sword. Did we have any? Similar to whole, like the whole uh, uh, Phoenix's Tears mm-hmm. thing. Did we have any prior basis to know that there was a sword no. there? No. Um, but we encounter the sword again. We get a little bit of explanation about the sword in the next chapter. I am going to hazard a guess that that explanation is not going to satisfy either of you. Um, but the sword is a weird object in the world. Or at least it's not distributed by a lady in a lake and more... You know, he pulled it out of the hat. <laughs> that's that's true. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah. Okay. But we do uh, we do know. I think that we know from the beginning. I guess it wouldn't have been at the beginning of this book because we missed the sorting ceremony at the beginning of this book. But I think we might actually know from the sorting ceremony in the first book that the sorting hat is Gryffindor's hat, because I think that the song that the sorting hat sings might have talked about it. Gotcha. That. That either is in the first book, or I think you've mentioned it it's, before. It's I certainly in one that. of the songs that the Sorting Hat sings. I don't have the first book in front of me now to check that. Um, because it, So it might come from a later song, but he certainly sings about that fact. I think it was in the first book, though. All right. Well, I'll curious to see where it goes, because it does come pretty damn out of mm-hmm. left field for it suddenly to be the artifact necessary to resolve the yes. plot. A uh, question for me, and this is about Tom Riddle, because it's a fascinating thing to unpack about what the hell he is, but do we do we get any later explanation that isn't a spoiler? I guess I'm flirting yeah. with spoilers here, but how is he, if he is indeed not Voldemort and has no connection to Voldemort, is in some ways aspiring to be Voldemort before he was even really Voldemort, how does he have knowledge about things that have occurred in the real world outside of him and his limited degree of exposure? I'm presuming he didn't learn them from Jenny because why would she talk about all these aspects of history? She may not even know them. Um, how How is he in the loop about these things that are so integrally connected to Voldemort if he's so inherently separate from it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good question. I think that there are a couple of things. I think that we do get hints that he is probably, this memory has probably pried Jenny for a lot of information that we're not privy to. Um, that she is mm-hmm. probably able to give more than we think she is simply because of her family. Um, and the fact that the Weasleys are were so 
uh, intimately and intricately connected to the battle against Voldemort the first time around. Like, there's a lot of family mm-hmm. lore that goes on there. Um, so I don't. I, I think some of the answer sort of comes comes from there. Um, but you know, I think I can't really answer the question as to how connected this memory is with Voldemort as he was at the end or potentially continues to be. I I can't answer that right now. Because this almost reminds me of some ways like a lich's phylactery of where it's like a piece of aspect of the soul is kept there for safekeeping kind of thing. And if that's the case, there's always like a connection back to the original source. Mm -hmm. But I don't, it doesn't seem like Tom Riddle's saying that's the case. That could be how it works, but it's not how he seems to explain how it's right. Working. Right, which um, yeah, which is which is interesting, especially if you're trying to think about like what what this memory knows and doesn't know and is privy to or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what you got, PJ? I got a few more for later. Um, well, first I have a comment because I figured I'd look up the sorting hat on the internet and find out what information I could glean from <laughs> Harry Potter fandom wiki. Um, My favorite thing so far is that um, in the wiki, it does have listings of each of the Sorting Hat songs. um, And even better is for the song information, it has written and performed by, and they are both a Sorting Hat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, credit where credit is due, DJ. Fair, fair, fair enough. Um, So that it is Godric's hat is... Um, at least in the references for for the wiki um, it leads to the wizarding world not to a specific book Um, no there is absolutely a line that said Godric Gryffindor whipped him off his head and put a spell on him okay Um, that's possible it wasn't in the the first book as far as I can uh, tell anyway um, so um, I have two questions about Parcel tongue and parcel mouth. Okay. Um, it essentially is how was Ginny able to speak parcel tongue? And the follow-up is how come somebody being a, a parcel mouth isn't just like everybody going, oh my God, this is not a good thing. We have to pay a lot of attention to this. Or that's why Dumbledore always pays attention to Harry Potter. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, I guess you're referencing in the first part of that question about Jenny speaking parcel tongue, that she must have been sort of somehow controlling the basilisk. Well, and getting into the Chamber of Secrets and sort of like everything, Yeah. Every everything leads to she had to be able to do this, and that kind of doesn't make sense unless it's sort of like a little bit of the soul of uh, Tom Riddle, Voldemort, whatever, that's doing mm-hmm. this, and... Yeah. That's, yeah. So I think if we start, if we think about timeline, right, the first time that the Chamber of Secrets was opened this year was, or at least as far as we know, the first time that the Basilisk had an attack. Um, Mm -hmm. Although I guess that, I guess Harry was probably hearing the Basilisk earlier. But anyway, there was a delay, right? Um, So the the first attack was on Halloween. which would have been a couple of months probably, right? Um, and I think that all of the evidence that we have, at least from what Tom Riddle is telling us and what Jenny sort of tells us at the end of the chapter is that she really was possessed um, when she was doing all of these things. 
Um, yeah. So my understanding, my interpretation is that like it is it, uh, she. I suppose that she is physically speaking parcel tongue, but it is Tom Riddle through her that is doing right. that. Right. I, I guess that was yeah. sort of the question. Like, yeah. is Tom Riddle yeah, yeah. able to do that in controlling her? Yes. And therefore, she has access to. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So it's not something that, like, now that Tom Riddle is gone, it's not something that she could, like, just do. Right. Yeah. So, like, yeah, so she couldn't have done it before, and it's not, like, latent in her now um, that she can do, because she did it once. It was really Tom Riddle through her doing that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What was the the second part of the question? The the second part is, so it seems like parcel mouth and and is Mm. a Mm -hmm. fairly unique thing and kind of like a... I, I wouldn't quite liken it to a Charlie Chaplin mustache, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that we... Well, so I, obviously nobody ever saw her... Saw Jenny, or her Jenny-speaking right. parcel tongue. But when people found out that Harry could do it, they freaked the fuck out. That, that's true, but I guess it's like... did well, There doesn't seem like there was a similar thing for Tom Riddle. But maybe there was, and we just don't know. That, well, there might have been, but I also, it's possible that, like, because he pinned everything on Hagrid, nobody knew it was a basilisk in the first place. Nobody knew. Except for Dumbledore, but fair enough. Uh, yeah, but Dumbledore plays his own game. <laughs> Keeps his cards very close to his yeah. chest. Yeah. yeah, everybody else is playing checkers. And he's playing... Voldemort's playing chess, and, and Dumbledore is, is playing Parcheesi. Ex- explos- exploding snap. <laughs> <laughs> Which we still don't know what that is. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, that's that's my assumption is that nobody nobody really knew, and mm-hmm. that honestly, very few. What we come to find out, very few people, um, and I think we learn this in the next chapter. Like, very few people actually knew that Tom Riddle became Voldemort. Right. Okay. That's and so people knew weird. that Voldemort was a parcel tongue. Right. Um, but didn't connect that back with Tom Riddle for reasons gotcha. that become explained eventually it's a riddle that they couldn't solve all right mm-hmm. spencer all right a uh, question from me do we find out at some point or other how jenny got the book yes because it's not something that she, you would inherently think she just had on her in terms of tom riddle's mm-hmm. diary uh, yeah. if if there is an in this book explanation it seems like the most <laughs> Based on the limited scenes we've had with Jenny, the bookstore where her dad and Lucius Malfoy fight seems like the moment where it would happen. And with Lucius Malfoy talking about all the various magical dark wizard artifacts that he has, it getting slipped in when I think he even tosses a book into her, like, cauldron, then Harry adds a couple others, seems like that would might be a moment that it could happen. Yeah, so, I mean, I would normally hedge around this because we find this out in the next chapter, but, like, you are absolutely right. <laughs> um, Whoa! Yeah. Uh, so, was the only one that made sense for in this yeah, book. Yeah, no, so we find this. And so, actually, this, I was going to bring this up kind of in connection to your comment, and I think you probably have a question about this, about, like, Tom Riddle and this diary being the big bad of the whole story. And they, they are to the extent that, like, it is a, a Voldemort substitute and um, this is the most danger, like physical danger that Harry is in. Um, but I would posit, based on this revelation, that Lucius Malfoy is actually the big bad of this story. 
or or Bad essentially the like the bankroll of the Bond right. villain. Yeah, the sort of power behind the power, at least in this moment, right? Um, he's the one mm-hmm. that's that's out there like disseminating apparently very dangerous stuff that was Voldemort's. It, didn't he even at one point suggest that he was going to give uh, Draco some kind of present or something when he was sending him off to school? Was he intending to like give him this diary when he went off to school? I think, wasn't he talking about a present in... Um, it may have been like the broom or something. Yeah, yeah. And he was talking about... Never mind, that's a different book. Um, so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> apparently, uh, J.K. Rowling either got hit on something which i find very amusing or has an amusing sense of humor um so in scotland foy me is loosely translated as present or it could also be a feast or something like that so a bad present being the last name of the malfoys is really funny i like that Hmm. i like that and here we have here we have a bad present that has caused this whole nonsense yeah well a farewell (laughs) present or feast okay even better. It's it all yeah. more fascinating that Lucius Malfoy just had it on hand. It again just proves uh, how he, closely involved. He has a lot of things in his basement that... Under the dining room, I think, we are supposed yeah. to be looking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hopefully the authorities know about now. Again, he must have amazing political connections that he survived prosecution if he's being this free with this level of artifacts I mean, that he got he from was, being a yes, dark wizard. He was planning on moving to Argentina, but it didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got one more question, BJ, unless you've got another one. Uh, go ahead. Uh, last one for me. It, from what we've heard, a basilisk gaze will kill you. Fox probably sort of got a pretty much dead-on basilisk gaze at some point before he ripped out its damn eyes. Is that that? Do we un, do we have any explanation for how it, Fox is not dead, other than that he's magical and awesome? No. Okay, he's magical mm-hmm. and awesome. Yeah, I mean, I maybe there's something that he's like closely enough related to a rooster, which um, is really scary to a basilisk. But I don't like. No, we don't get any. We don't get any explanation except that like Fox can do Fox things. <laughs> Fox has the power of plot. Yes. Okay, I, I was. The thought I had was the whole rooster connection, because that could work. I mean, maybe. maybe yeah, of. we don't get any evidence of that, other than, yeah. Okay. Other than birds, we don't get any evidence of that. <laughs> Both birds, it yeah, works. Close Good enough. enough. Um, BJ, did you have a last question? No, no, I, I think I'm done. Um, and <laughs> I, I think there'll be more, many more questions for, for the next chapter. Yes, so. we get a lot of... Did, the last chapter is the explanatory chapter. (laughs) And so I'm sure there will be questions there. Um, And so next time we have chapter 18, Dobby's Reward. And a picture of Dumbledore looking creepily at at a sword. Lovingly, one might say. The last chapters of these books are so interesting because they kind of serve like, you know, a classical god coming down in the machine thing in Greek mythology of where, okay, you just watched the play. Let me explain what you just saw Mm -hmm. now. Serves a useful purpose. Yes, we will get a lot of that next chapter. All right. Well, uh, I, from what you guys have suggested, Dobby's reward seems to be in some likely an article of clothing. Curious to see how that plays out, or the fact that Dobby's even going to reveal himself, and that everyone doesn't immediately punish him for nearly getting Harry killed over the course of this entire damn book. But I'll be curious to see how it works. It's very complicated. It's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Looking forward to it. Bye, guys.